Hello everyone and welcome to Chemical Conversations. Chemical Conversations is brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. My name is Muhammad Fadil and I'm the Vice President of Global Business Development at Argus. Today, I'm extremely honored to be joined by two industry guests from Tricon Energy, a global distribution trading company, Ignacio Torras, President and CEO, and Elizabeth Carlson, Chief Sustainability Officer. Hello, Nacho and Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here, Fado. Nacho, welcome again. As a starting point, and just for us to kick off with our audience today, can you share more about Tricon Energy? Sure, it's a pleasure. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for the invitation. First of all, Tuesday was 26 years anniversary, and we started as a marketing of caustic soda, and from that point we evolved it into today. We handle about 20 different family business of uh, products. We do a little bit over 15 million tons of uh, of different commodities around the world. And we focus on the financial aspects, on uh, serving on the uh, logistics, on the market intelligence, on the risk management. And that's how we grow the company. Today, we have revenues a little bit over $10 billion. We have about 500 employees. And the company continues to grow and to expand. That is really an excellent overview, Nacho. Today, we want to focus exclusively on sustainability. So, Nacho, can you tell us why sustainability is such an important topic for our industry? Sure, definitely. Uh, one of a few reasons I would like to address. One of the uh, business lines that we have is uh, polymers. We are going to be doing in 2021 about 2.5 million tons of different polymers around the world. And as you know, the polymer industry has been focused, so it's been central on the uh, recycle and the sustainability aspect of the, uh, I guess, of the society. That's one of the points. The second point is uh, I just became a grandfather. Well, I became a grandfather about five years ago, but once you become a grandfather and you kind of evolve in that stage of the of the life, you start kind of thinking what kind of world I'm going to be leaving to the next generations. And at the same time, we start seeing a strong trend within the society about this evolution towards a much more clean environmental, clean earth. And somehow we didn't know exactly what it meant. Uh, we know we meant to have a better world to the future generations. We know we want to have a better society, a better, a better environmental for the future generations, but we didn't know exactly how, how we do that. So we, we decided first to join the Alliance to End Plastic Waste. Within a few months, we, we realized that it was good. The Alliance is doing a fantastic job, something we're very proud to be part of it, but that was not enough. That was not, not sufficient to be part of just the Alliance. And then we started investigating what it should be the next step, what should be the natural evolution of Tricon on, on that sense. And after several discussions internal and meeting few people on the, on the industry, we decided that we had two paths to follow. One path, which is uh, what is commonly known as uh, ESG, Environmental, Social and Governance. And the way I like to define that is the attempt to make Tricon a more humane company, to have better values, not just to make profits, which is important. Don't get me wrong. We are, of course, about profitability. We have to be profitable and we have to be sustainable. But can we make it on a better way? Can we do better things together? And that was the, the, uh, the drive that at the end of the day made us first and in September 1st, we hire a chief sustainable officer. It's a person reporting directly to me. She's here. She's going to be talking right after me, Elizabeth. With the main goal of, of doing that, as we said before, is to make Tricon a better company. But at the same time, we still have a, sustain, a sustainable and a recyclable agenda. And the recycle agenda, we realize that is uh, is not only a necessary matter that we have to address, but we are also completely convinced that the only way we can address that is by making a business case, sustainable business case. 
we cannot depend on the solution for recyclable to be the generosity of uh, big corporations to donate money or to or to shrink their profits by by spending a lot of money on recyclable products. We need to make sure that the solution for this problem has to be a financially viable solution for everyone everyone on the chain, from the people collecting the waste on the countries to the people that recycle and doing the segregation of the of the uh, product, as well as finally to the to the final consumer having a better product, something that they enjoy better. We cannot sacrifice the consumer expectations of the quality of the polymers they use because now we have polymers uh, which are recyclable there. We can there is a lot of liabilities, a lot of intrinsic uh, complexity within the recycle. So that's what we decided in January 1st to on January 4th to start what we call the uh, sustainable product manager with Michael. He's a person in charge for that, with that uh, job, with that uh, duty, which is the how can we make sustainable a business case? And that's exciting, a fantastic and very exciting uh, potential on that sense, as, as well as the ESG with Elizabeth and everything she's doing on the company. It is a humongous uh, evolution for the company culture. But let me stop here. Let me let me let me continue with your interview because otherwise I can go for hours and hours about the subject. Thank you for that really comprehensive overview, Nacho. And I have to say congratulations. Being a grandfather is, uh, of course, extremely rewarding, and I'm sure keeps you very busy. I want to welcome Elizabeth again. Elizabeth, uh, welcome to the podcast. Please tell us more about how sustainability and ESG impact the day-to-day operations at Tricon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, for us, we really wanted to narrow down on what's important to us as a company, what matters to us. So we established three pillars. They're uh, social and economic inclusion, climate and environment, and circular economy. And we underlay that with a foundation of governance. So in theory, everything we do in sustainability and really everything we do in our business should increasingly be contributing to this journey to a more inclusive, low carbon and circular world. The journey element is important to us. We're just starting the sustainability journey at Tricon, and we know the same is true for many of our business partners. So one focus area for us is awareness and culture change. We have to think differently about markets, about our processes, and about our products. We recently published our responsible sourcing and product stewardship standard, for example, which outlines our own commitments and ambitions in the value chain, but also our expectations for our business partners. And as Nacho mentioned at the start, we have a new sustainable product line to build sustainability into the core business operations. We're ISCC Plus and ISCC EU certified. Just did another audit the other day, which allows us to trade sustainably certified renewable and recycled materials. We're also thinking about how do we work with our customers and our suppliers to make conventional products more sustainable but also how do we look to the future of what are the raw materials or essential goods that are needed to keep the economy going in a more sustainable fashion. And then just one more aspect I'd say in day-to-day is that we're engaging our employees in this cultural shift. So like Nacho said, it's, it's an evolution of the company culture. We launched a Work Sustainably campaign globally, and we're now offering a financial incentive for employees to, for example, install solar panels, purchase an electric vehicle, or contract renewable energy at home just as a way to really motivate that change in how we look at sustainability holistically. And then finally, we also believe that sustainability isn't just our own operations, but we actually have to extend those pillars out to the community. So we're focusing our community investment on education and awareness locally as part of that solution to long-term change. And like Nacho mentioned, just really engaging and active in the Alliance to End Plastic Waste to look at how 
all of us across the value chain can play our part in enabling more recycling, better waste management, and really ending plastic waste. And you can read more about some of these areas that we're working on in our sustainability report, which we just published a couple of weeks ago, and it's available on our website. It's very useful, Elizabeth, and I'm sure to take a read on the sustainability report that you've mentioned. I just want to focus now and pivot to one thing you mentioned, which is your customers. If we zoom into the buy side, do you see more and more of your clients demanding ESG-led initiatives? Absolutely. We see it as really a rising tide these past few years. I think for Tricon, we've long seen the governance side of ESG, where customers have been interested in you know, ethics and compliance programs, particularly in the trading industry. But over the last few years, across industries, we just see increasing environmental and social elements being brought in. And I think really significantly, the pace of change has grown. So the difference between how things have progressed with customers over the last two to three years versus the last 10 or 15 years, it's just growing exponentially. We're seeing recently more focus on climate and circularity. For example, we have customers asking us for product carbon footprint. And this is a huge step forward, a step in the right direction. The challenge for us is that we sit in the middle of the value chain. So we need the industry as a whole to move forward together, where those producing materials are tracking and sharing carbon footprint data, where global markets and regulators align on common methodologies for carbon footprint. So we really need that transformation across the industry, and that's what we want to be part of and and help advocate for. We do see differences geographically. So as you'd expect, European customers tend to lead on climate issues in particular, but we're also seeing global changes and other regions like Asia leading on recycling. And then lastly, our sustainable products business line is really about aligning with that changing customer and market demand by focusing on the three key trends that we see, circular economy solutions, renewable content, and improvements in greenhouse gas emissions versus the status quo. Thank you, Elizabeth. And I'm very aligned with your view, especially on Asia. Nacho, if I may, I'm going to put you on the spot slightly. Let's talk challenges now. What do you see as the three biggest challenges to implementing successful ESG initiatives in our industry? Thanks. It's, uh, it's both a challenge as well as, a, as an opportunity. I think the, the first challenge that we have is the lack of transparency on the data. Recently, we had uh, uh, with Lisa, we created a group of different people from ESG, from different corporations, uh, some major producers, uh, also logistic people, in trying to, for example, drive a KYC, so standard KYCs for the next stage, which is the, the, the scope three of the uh, sustainability agenda, it means to make sure that not only you are net zero, but also your consumers and your clients and your, and your suppliers are in the net zero. And everything is still very infant. It's still very, uh, there is not enough data. There is not enough reporting. So one of the biggest problems that we're going to be having is exactly that, is, is, is to increase the transparency and to make sure that we are sharing all this data internally in order to achieve that. The second problem that we have, or the second challenge, or the second opportunity, it is the cultural change that we need to we need to impose in our society, in our companies, in our families. We need to start with our, with our own houses. As you know, for anyone that lives in America, the standards of recycle of your own garbage on the house is much different than the ones we have in Northwest Europe and much, much different than the ones maybe we might have in, uh, in Southeast Asia and emerging markets. So you have to start the change first at your house, then at your company, and then the whole society. The change is not just about having two or three kind of garbage or different garbage, but also we need to change the designs of some of the products. 
you know, for example, out of the mechanical or the chemical recycle on the on the PET is very difficult when the caps of the uh, of the PET bottles are done with polypropylene. So it's not an easy process. We need to change the size of the product. We need to change a lot of things, not just the, the culture per se, but it's a, it's a huge change that we need to do. And the third challenge and the third opportunity is, as I said at the beginning, it has to be a sustainable business case. Again, it's not money in this world that can finance or subsidize this whole cleanup issue like we might have, you know, in the past, the carbon emissions and things. This has to be a complete business case. Plastic is necessary. I like to say always to everyone that wants to listen to me that two things I'm absolutely sure about talking about grandchildren again, that my grandchildren, they will most likely not drive a combust engine car, but they will use more polymers per capita than we use. It is almost impossible to envision the, the evolution of society to a better well-being without use of, of more advanced technological products. And, and that has to be through the polymers chain, has to be through the chemistry chain. So the only thing that we need to do is to make sure that we can create the products and the systems that make that polymer chain circular. Kind of simple, not? It's not that simple, but it's a fantastic challenge, and which I think is a fantastic opportunity, by the way. Macho, I have to agree. We, we need to think a lot more about the impact of our decisions today to future generations. And I should say the opportunities are crystal clear despite the challenges we need to overcome as an industry. Elizabeth, can you share your view on what's next for Tricon? In your very exciting role as CSO, could you give us an idea on what the future sustainability roadmap is for Tricon? Sure. Well, like I said, we're just getting started and we do see this as a journey. So it's something that you know, we have to start taking those first tangible steps to get to that future we want. And we have to keep escalating our actions and our collaboration to get to that future. So much of our initial efforts have focused on laying the foundation for sustainability within the company. And that means setting up our management systems, measuring our results. But now we want to build on that foundation and really push ourselves to achieve more impact. When it comes to those pillars for the first one, inclusion, we're looking at things like gender pay equality, strengthening human rights due diligence, and ramping up our social investments across key geographies. When it comes to climate, we achieved net zero emissions this year with the purchase of carbon offsets, and we measured our carbon footprint across scope one, two, and three, as well as our trading portfolio. But now we have to ask ourselves, how can we achieve near zero emissions in our offices and vehicle leases? and really be part of the solution to reducing value chain emissions. Like Nacho mentioned, that scope three challenge of how do we bring everybody together on the net zero mission. We're gonna continue advocating for life cycle and product carbon footprint, data transparency, and really collaboration across the industry to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement. We really believe this has to be something we all do together. And then for circularity, we want to achieve, obviously, zero waste to landfill in our own operations, like not just said, start with our own house, our own offices. But we also want to work with our service providers on our responsible sourcing standard, how we can support zero waste warehousing and logistics, and perhaps most importantly, really grow that circular product business to help connect the global supply and demand of recycled polymers. Like not just said, it has to be a business case, and we have to create the incentives and the structures to do that. So for us going forward, really, it's all about collaboration. Our 2022 theme as a company is creating good together. And that's what we're really looking to do. Nacho and Elizabeth, I wish you all the best in this exciting journey. And thank you very much for your time today. I wish we can go on, but due to time constraints, we have to draw to a close now. It's been really a great pleasure talking to you. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, 
please be sure to tune in to our other episodes in our series, Chemical Conversations. For more information on Argus Chemicals product coverage, please visit argusmedia.com slash chemicals. Thank you. Thank you.